All right, well, we're there in Matthew chapter 6, and if you uh, remember, we've been studying on the subject of prayer uh, over the last several weeks on Wednesday nights, and we've been doing Bible studies on different passages on prayer. We haven't been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through a book. I'm sure after the series is done, we'll, we'll jump into a Bible study like that, but we've been studying different passages about prayer, and we've been learning about prayer and uh, all sorts of different types of prayer and things like that. Uh, tonight, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 6, and not just Matthew 6. Uh, keep your finger there in Matthew 6, but go with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter number 11. And uh, keep your place in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. Maybe use your ribbon or a bulletin or something. We're going to go back and forth between these books a little bit. Tonight, I want us to look at what's known commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's not really the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's, it's not the Lord praying. It was the Lord kind of showing people how to pray. And let me, uh, before we get into it, let me just give you a little background in regards to this. If you're there in Luke chapter number 11, and look at verse number 1, I'd like you to see what brought about this Lord's Prayer. And I'm not, I'm not against using that terminology uh, it's easy to kind of use that term because people know what you're talking about. But in Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, notice what they ask, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So they come to Jesus, he gets done praying, and the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. They said, uh, you know, John taught his disciples, and often I'm, I, I will hear people say, I don't know how to pray. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this series on Wednesday night, and just kind of trying to teach people on the subject of prayer and teach us to pray. Now notice in verse 2 of Luke chapter 11, the Bible says, And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Uh, just for your own knowledge, and for those of you that like to take notes, uh, the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6 and in Luke chapter number 11. Those are the two passages that we find uh, that, that, that uh, reference or that text there. And like I said, we'll be going back and forth. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Here's what I want you to know about the Lord's Prayer. This prayer was never meant to be chanted and repeated. Today, you have people, uh, and we, you know, we like to pick on the Catholics because they're probably the ones that are most known for it, but it's not just the Catholics. They're, I know Baptist churches where they'll chant the Lord's Prayer, and everybody would just start you know, reciting the Lord's Prayer. This, was never, uh, this prayer was never meant to be recited. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, uh, we read the whole chapter there, and you'll notice that the context is of the Lord's Prayer. In verse 7, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7. He says, but when ye pray, notice what he says, but when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. So Jesus specifically, in the, in the context of teaching what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, says, hey, when you pray, use not vain repetition. Now, Here's what he was saying. You shouldn't just be repeating things, and the word vain means in a, in a way that means nothing, that has no value. God is not speaking against 
praying, uh, you know, repetition. In fact, and we'll look at it in another lesson on a Wednesday night. One of the keys to answered prayer is coming, you know, persistently to God and bringing your request on a regular ba- uh, basis and repeating, uh, you know, the same request to the Lord. But what he's against is this vain repetition. Well, people will say words over and over and over, and there's no value to it. There's nothing behind it. There's nothing that they're, they're not actually praying to God. They're just reciting these words. And Jesus said, when you pray, use not vain repetition. And notice, according to Jesus, who are the people that pray vain and repetitious prayers? Notice he says, as the heathen do. So you say, well, I'm a Catholic and I'm going to pray these, ver- you know, these verses just over and over. And it's going to be, according to Jesus, you're a heathen. Because that's what heathen people do. They take prayers and they recite them. We, at Verity Baptist, we don't have, you know, I, I know of churches where they'll have like a book of prayers. And it's time to pray, they'll open up their book and they'll recite a prayer. Or they'll take one of these uh, one-on passages from Scripture and, and recite them as a prayer. Jesus actually taught against it. The Bible says that when you pray, verse 7, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Skip down to verse number 9, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Notice what he said, though. He said, after this manner. You see that word manner? He says, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So here's what I want you to understand. The Lord's prayer, because remember, the disciples just asked Jesus, teach us to pray. So he says, okay, well, this is how you should pray. After this manner, therefore pray ye. And he gives us what is known today as the Lord's Prayer. Now, he just told us in verse 7 that we are not to pray vain and repetitious prayers. So he never meant for this prayer to be chanted or repeated word for word. But I would submit to you tonight that although we should not pray the Lord's Prayer, and I believe that it's wrong for individuals to say, I'm just going to pray this prayer. Before I go to bed, when I wake up in the morning, I'm just going to pray this prayer. That is not communicating with God. It's just, you know, quoting words uh, that, that, you know, just over and over again. And although we should not pray the Lord's Prayer, I would submit to you tonight, and I want to kind of teach this idea tonight, that we should pray through the Lord's Prayer. Do you understand what I just said? You should not pray the Lord's Prayer, but you ought to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And here's what I mean. Jesus gave us this prayer as a pattern. He said, after this manner, therefore, pray ye. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer. And I do believe that we can take our prayers and pattern them after his prayer. And this is kind of the perfect prayer uh, outline to be able to make sure that we cover everything that we should be covering while we're praying. And not only that, but cover it in the, in the right order. So we should not pray the Lord's Prayer, but I do believe we should pray through the Lord's Prayer. Let me give you just one more idea before we jump into uh, the, the text tonight about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is divided into two sections. You'll notice as we go through uh, through it tonight that there is a thy section where, you know, he's saying things like thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And then there is a us section where he's, where he's teaching us to pray for us, you know, um, that, you know, forgive us our sins, lead us not into temptation. So th- there is a section there where we're kind of dealing uh, with our relationship with God. And then there is another section there where we're basically dealing with God's relationship with us. So if you look at verse number nine there of Matthew chapter six, the Bible says this. After this manner, therefore, pray ye our father, which are in heaven. Notice is the first thy there? Hallowed be thy name. It is usually the way that we pray. We begin by just, God, I have 
all these things that I need from you, let me just start telling you, you know, I need my rent paid, I need my car payment paid, I, I have this, I have that. And usually you want to come to God with all of our needs. But when Jesus taught us to pray, Jesus said, when, when you begin to pray, begin by these words, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In Luke eleven two, you don't have to turn there, you find the exact same phrase, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed means to sanctify or to separate, to make holy. And of course, it's logical that if you're going to pray, you ought to begin with praise. But the question that I have for you is, I wonder how many of us actually begin our prayer by just praising the name of God. And by the way, this ought to teach you that the name of God is something to be reverenced. He said, hallowed be thy name. One of the Ten Commandments is that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And today, I hear so many Christians, they'll say, oh my God, this, and oh my God, that, or oh my God, you know, and whatever. And it's like, hey, you, you should, the name of God should be hallowed. Don't use it as a curse word because you stubbed your toe, you know, or because you're excited about something. Oh my God. You know, the Bible teaches, and Jesus taught, that when we come to God in prayer, he said, hey, hallowed be thy name. He said, your name should be holy and sanctified. But here's what you got to understand. It's not just a praise. It's not just saying, God, your name is hallowed and your name is great. But notice he says, hallowed be thy name. The request is, when he comes to God, that his name would be hallowed. And the idea, if you, if you get up tomorrow morning and you say, I'm going to pray through the Lord's Prayer. I'm not asking you to pray the Lord's Prayer, okay? We're not Catholic. But if you say, I'm going to pray through the Lord's Prayer, the idea is that you would come to God and your first request to God and your first petition to God would be that His name would be hallowed. And, and you know, the, the idea there is that, God, that my life, that I would live my life in a way that your name would be reverenced, that your name would be sanctified, that your name would be made holy. Go to 2 Samuel just real quickly. Keep your finger there. Luke, 2 Samuel, you say, well, I don't understand. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And let me give you an example. 2 Samuel chapter number 12. If you look at verse 14, remember David... Uh, there, when he had sinned with Bathsheba, Nathan the prophet says to David, 2 Samuel chapter 12, in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel, you got 1 2 Samuel, 1 2 Kings, 1 2 Chronicles. 2 Samuel chapter 12, in verse 14, says this, How be it? 2 Samuel 12, 14, this is Nathan speaking to David. He says, How be it? Because, thy, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Do you see that? The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Often, there are things that we can do to cause people to blaspheme the name of the Lord. That's the opposite of hallowed be thy name. So the idea is that we are to come to God, if you go back to Matthew chapter 6, and the first thing that we do is not bring our requests and bring our petitions and bring our problems, but we say, God, I just want your name to be sanctified, to be glorified, to be made holy, to be well spoken of. And Father, my request is that your name would be hallowed, hallowed be thy name. Look at verse number 10. Here you find that second thy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So the second thy there is to ask God that his kingdom would come. In, in Luke eleven two again, you don't have to turn there. He says, thy kingdom come. The idea is this. If, if you think about the kingdom of God, okay, God is a king. And God has a kingdom. And the kingdom of God is not a physical land right now, although it will be one day. 
But right now, if you study the Bible, the kingdom of God basically grows as those who submit to him as king are more and more. So you and I are actually in the kingdom of God if God is your king. And here Jesus is speaking, thy kingdom come. And again, it comes back to this idea. Usually we don't even pray, but when we pray, it's all about us. God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need you to do this for me. But the idea that Jesus is teaching is that when we come to God in prayer, we are to ask that his name would be hallowed. And then we ask that God's kingdom would come. And here's the idea, that the interest of God and the agenda of God would come before our interest and our agenda. You understand that? That God's, God, that God's kingdom, you, God, God, before I talk to you about my kingdom, before I talk to you about what I need, before I talk to you about the things that I need for my earthly kingdom that I'm building on this earth and the rent that needs to be paid and the cars that need to be paid and, and, and all the sickness and all those things, before I talk about what I need for my kingdom, God, thy kingdom come. And the idea is that we would come to God and have an agenda that is his agenda and that we would put God first. Thy kingdom come. You say, well, how do you pray that God's kingdom would become? Well, here's, you know, the only thing I can think of is if I want God's kingdom to come, then I ought to pray for the things that God prays for. If you say God prays, well, Jesus is God and Jesus prayed. Let me give you some examples. Matthew chapter 9. We saw this on Sunday morning, so we won't spend too much time on it. Matthew chapter 9. You're there in Matthew 6. Just flip a few pages over. Matthew chapter 9. If we want to pray for God, what is God interested in? What is God's agenda? Because thy kingdom come means I'm praying for God's agenda. I'm praying for what he's interested in. I'm praying for what he wants. Matthew 9, 37. So the question is this, what does God want? Well, we saw this again. We saw it on Sunday morning, so we won't spend too much time on it. Matthew 9, 37 says this. Say, then saith he to his disciples, this is Jesus speaking, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Verse 38, notice Jesus is telling you what to pray for here. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is requesting, put, you know, on Wednesday night, just a few moments ago, you raised your hand and you said, uh, you know, pray for this and pray for that. And, and those are all good things and we ought to pray for. If Jesus was here physically, I, we know he's here, you know, but if he was here physically and he would have raised his hand and I, we would have called on him, he would have said, hey, would you pray you therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest? That's his prayer request. That, that soul winners and that laborers would go into the harvest because the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So before I start talking to God about my kingdom, I want to talk to God about his kingdom. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, one thing you might want to do is start praying that laborers would be sent forth into his harvest. Go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. In John 17, we find the actual Lord's Prayer. Remember, Matthew 6 and Luke 11, just is Jesus giving us a pattern of prayer? It's not Jesus really praying. He's just teaching us how to pray. But in John 17, we find Jesus, we read Jesus' prayer to God. Jesus is actually praying to God, and we're able to read that. One of these days, maybe we'll study through that. But in John 17, if you look at verse number 20, I just want to show you one thing that Jesus prayed for in his prayer. This is what Jesus prayed for when he prayed to God. John 17 and verse 20. He says, neither pray I for these alone. Notice he's praying. But for them also, the, the these alone there is referring to his disciples. He says, neither pray I for these alone, because he just got done praying for his disciples. But for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. So Jesus prayed for his disciples, but he said, I don't want to just pray for my disciples. I want to pray for those people in the future. Hey, by the way, that's you and I. 
that we have believed on him through their word. It's interesting that if you want to know what Jesus prayed about, it seems like he has this interest. It seems like he has this agenda about people believing and getting saved and soul winners going out into the harvest and preaching the gospel. So when we come to God, we ought to pray, number one, that his name would be hallowed. But number two, that his kingdom would come. That his agenda would come before our agenda. That his interest would come before our interest. And then we would pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest. And then we would pray for those who are going to be saved and for those who are going to be preaching the gospel to them. Because that's how the kingdom of God grows. Now, here's the interesting thought. The Bible teaches that we should do unto others as we would have them do to us. Okay? So if you want God to answer your prayer, you know, your prayer is, I need X amount of dollars. Or your prayer is, whatever it is that you need. And God has a prayer request, which is that laborers would send forth into his harvest. Don't you think that maybe you should be interested in answering his prayer so he'll answer yours? You know, this idea like, well, God, I don't really care about your prayer request. You want me to go be a soul winner. That doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I don't have compassion. It doesn't matter to me. But make sure you answer all my prayers. You know, the golden rule is that if you want him to answer your prayers, maybe you ought to answer his prayer. Just a little soul winning thought there. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. We see the third uh, thy there. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And here we have the third thy. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Again, in Luke eleven two, you find the exact same phrase. Thy will be done. Go to 1 John just real quickly with me. 1 John, if you go to the back of uh, where the book of Revelation is. If you go from the back, you'll go past Jude, and then you'll find 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Go to 1st John chapter 5, and when you get there, uh, stick a bulletin there or something, because we're going to leave 1st John, and we're going to come back to it. 1st John chapter 5, and look at verse number 14. We ought to pray according to the will of God. Thy will be done. So, we're asking God not only that His name would be hallowed, not only that His kingdom would come, but that His will uh, would be done. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says this. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything, don't miss this, according to His will, He heareth us. See, it's not that if you ask anything, but it has to be according to the will of God meaning something that God wants. So, you know, you say, I've been praying and I've been fasting that God would give me $25 million. Well, look, you're wasting your time if that's not according to His will. You understand what I'm saying? Because if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Verse 15, 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have uh, the petitions that we desired of Him. Go, go to James. You're there in uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, or in 1st John. Go past... Uh, First uh, and second Peter, and then you'll find the book of James. Right before Hebrews, you got James. Go to James chapter 4. The reason that most of our prayers don't get answered is because we're not praying according to his will. And Jesus taught that we should pray, thy will be done. James chapter 4 and verse number 2. James chapter 4 and verse number 2. Notice what James said. James 4, 2, he said, ye lust. The word lust means you have desires. He says, ye lust. He says, there are things you want and have not. Ye kill and desire to have. Ye cannot obtain. He says, there's, there's things that you want and you cannot get them. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, there are some things that you would have if you asked for them. But he said, ye have not because ye ask not. Now notice verse 3. Ye ask and receive not. He's, so here's what he's saying. In verse 2, 
please don't miss this. In verse 2 he says, ye have not because ye ask not. So James was saying, let me tell you why your prayers don't get answered, because you don't pray. He says, if you would pray, God would answer your prayer. But because you don't ask, you have not because you ask not. But then in verse 3, he says, and when you do ask, he says, ye ask and receive not. Here's why. Because ye ask amiss. That word amiss means you ask not rightly or not correctly. You, act, you ask inappropriately or out of place. Here's the point. You're asking for something that is not appropriate for you to ask for. You're asking for something that is not right or correct for you. It's out of your place. Look, I don't know that it's really your place to be asking God for $25 million. So when we do ask, we often do not have uh, we, we, we don't receive because we ask amiss that we may consume it upon your lust. Because we're asking for things that we want. God, give me a Corvette. God, give me this. God, give me that. And we're asking for things that are not according to the will of God. So we need to ask according to his will. So as we study the Lord's Prayer there, you have those three different thys. Thy, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now we're going to transition, go, go back to Matthew chapter 6, into those us uh, section. Now here's what's interesting. The first us is give us this day our daily bread. And it is a petition for our physical needs. Notice, this is the first time that we get to our request, what I need. Here's what I need, God, I need bread. Okay, But before we get into that, I just want to bring your attention that we first ask thy will be done before we ask for something we need. Do you understand that? He says thy will be done, and then he says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. So when we come to God, you say, God, heal my so-and-so, whoever it is that's sick that you love. Heal so-and-so, and you want so-and-so to be healed, and hey, I want so-and-so to be healed for you too. But we should be asking, Lord, would you heal so-and-so if it's your will? Because it may not be God's will. It wasn't God's will to heal Paul of the thorn in the flesh that he had. Remember, Paul went thrice unto God and said, you know, that, that if I could get rid of this thorn in my flesh. And the answer was, my strength, uh, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul understood that he would rather glory in his infirmity that the power of God may rest upon him. So it may not be God's will to come through in that area or to heal that individual or to do whatever it is that you think uh, that, it needs, that, that needs to be done. So when we bring our request to God, God, I'm hungry, I need bread, we should first say, thy will be done. God, what is it that you want? Let your will be done. You want me to keep this house, God? Then help me make the payment. You want to take the house? Then thy will be done. And I'm okay with that. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, is what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse number 8. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Now here's what's interesting about asking God for your request. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. First understand this. God knows what you need. God already, you say, well, I spent, you know, I prayed for 30 minutes and I spent 25 minutes asking God for my needs. You're wasting a lot of time because God already knows what you need. Okay? The Bible is very clear. For what, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11. Yet he still wants us to ask. Give us this day our daily bread. Luke eleven three. 3. Give us this day our, uh, give us day by day our daily bread. It's worded a little different in Luke chapter 3. So God wants, he knows what you need, but he still wants you to ask. That's that principle that we saw in James there. Ye have not because ye ask not. He, he, even though he knows what you need, he still uh, wants you to come to him in prayer. Now please understand this. Go to Matthew chapter 
chapter 7 and verse number 7. Matthew 7 and verse 7. Not only does God know what your, need are, what, what your needs are, and not only does God want you to ask, but please understand this, and I don't think we really believe this sometimes. God actually wants to answer your prayer. God wants to supply your needs. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7, just real quickly. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, the Bible says, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you ask, it will be given? And that if you seek, you will find? And that if you knock, it shall be opened unto you? For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Verse 9. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? See, God, if, you're, if God is your Heavenly Father, He wants to provide for you the same way that I as a father want to provide for my children. And the same way that you as a father, you as a mother, want to provide for your children. God wants to answer your prayers. God wants to supply your needs. So don't ignore this idea of prayer because there's so many times that God wants to answer your prayer and God wants to provide your needs, but you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask amiss. Uh, look at verse number 12 there. The, the first of the us requests there was for daily bread. And by the way, it's not just food. It's your physical need. The idea in the Bible is that bread is what your body needs. You know, Jesus would also say, you know, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. But the idea is God knows you need clothes. We read there in Matthew 6, if you look at the, the last, uh, the, the end of the chapter there, in fact, look at it, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, look at verse number uh, thirty. Verse number 30, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into uh, the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God knows you need clothes. God knows your kids need clothes. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? God knows you need food, and you need something to drink, and you need clothes. For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And that's why you start off prayer with thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Hallowed be thy name because it's all about God first. And then, by the way, God, you know I have needs. Give us this day our daily bread. You know that I have to, you know, provide for my family. Would you please take care of us? So that first us there is to be given our daily bread. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse 12. The second us there is to forgive us our sins or debts. And I, I want you to notice that uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12. Matthew 6, 12 says this, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay? Now, the, it's not God's asking you to, you know, let, let my bankruptcy go through. That's not what he's um, requesting there. If, if you keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 6, go to Luke chapter number 11. And I want you to see how these words are used interchangeably. Luke chapter number 11 and verse number 4, Luke chapter number 11, and verse number 4, the Bible says, and forgive us our sins. Do you see that? So in Matthew 6, 12, he says, forgive us our debts. In Luke 11, 4, he says, forgive us our sins. So when we have sinned against someone, we are, uh, we, we've acquired a debt. There's something we owe them. And here's what he's saying. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that is, notice, indebted to us using the same terminology as Matthew 6, the debts there. So it's not financial, although, of course, you could apply financial uh, application to that. But he's asking that our sins would be forgiven. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, 1 John, did you keep your place in 1 John? 
Uh, go back to First John and look at verse number, chapter number one, verse nine. We could, you, you know it. You probably could quote it, but let's just look at it. First John chapter one. See, we come to God, and we are to confess our sins and ask for forgiveness from God. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. First John chapter one and verse nine says this: If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that God is faithful and just. He will forgive you if you confess. So we are to come to God and confess our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse number 32. There's this concept found in the Lord's Prayer, and it's throughout the Scripture, but I'll just give you one uh, reference. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, the Bible says this. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, if, it's you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. After 1st, uh, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, the Bible says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here's how. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So we are to forgive uh, realizing that God has forgiven us. And, and what Jesus teaches here in Matthew 6, if you go back to Matthew 6, if you look at verse 14, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors in verse 12. In verse 14, he says this, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. The idea is this, that the forgiveness that we receive from God hinges upon our willingness to forgive those who wrong us. The same idea that we're talking about soul winning is do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. So if you want God to forgive you, then you need to forgive other people. Look at verse 13. We find the, the third us and also the fourth us. Okay, You could say that these are two different us's, but I, I like to connect these together, and here's why. Matthew 6.13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That but there kind of puts these two ideas together that we want him to not lead us into temptation, but we also want him to deliver us from evil. So we are so here you just got done confessing your sins and then you're asking God to help you not to sin anymore. You understand that? You just said, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, forgive us our sins as we also forgive those that are indebted to us. And then you say, by the way, God, now that I've confessed that to you, now that I've got that cleared up, now that you are faithful and just to forgive me my sins, would you help me not to go down that road again and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil? So you're asking God to help you to keep a right uh, relationship with him and to not be led into uh, temptation, to not be led into uh, that which is wrong. And obviously, God does not allow temptation to come into our lives that we can't handle. The Bible says, For there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So whenever you have a temptation, God has already included in there a, a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But here, Jesus is teaching us, just ask God to not even lead you into temptation. And of course, God doesn't lead us into temptation, but the idea is this, that if God is leading and I'm following, then he won't take me through the the path of temptation. See, when we go down the road where now I'm tempted to sin, it's usually because we're not following the leader. He says, lead us not into temptation. Is not that, God, you would have led me into temptation if I didn't ask you for that, but the idea is, help me to follow you so I'm not led into temptation. But deliver us from evil. And keep me from doing that which is wrong. And keep me from doing that which is evil. 
if you go back to Matthew chapter 6, for those of you that are taking notes, I, I have a, a little bit of an alliterated outline that I came up with uh, for you. Uh, if, you look at, if, if you look at the beginning there of, Ma, uh, of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, and look at verse uh, number 8. Notice the Bible says, Our Father which art in heaven. And just to kind of recap and give you one final, uh, few final thoughts here. When we come to God, we come to God in prayer as our parent. Our Father which art in heaven. And the idea is that the only reason that you can come to God in prayer is because he's our Heavenly Father. We're able to cry, Abba, Father. The only reason that God even cares about us is because of our relationship with him as, our, as his sons and our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to God in prayer as our parent, our Father, which art in heaven. But we also come to God in prayer with our praise, hallowed be thy name. And we come to God in prayer as our principality, as the fact that he is a king, he is a prince. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We come to God in prayer as our provider. Give us this day our daily bread. We come to God in prayer as our partner and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lastly, we come to God in prayer as our protector and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So remember that we are not to pray the Lord's Prayer. You're not to go home tonight and say, I'm going to chant the Lord's Prayer 12 times before I go to bed. That does nothing for you. God does not hear vain and repetitious prayer for your much speaking. That's what heathens do. And although we are not to pray the Lord's Prayer, it would probably be a good idea to pray through the Lord's Prayer and allow Jesus to teach us to pray. Because his disciples said, Teach us to pray. And he said, okay, well, here's how you should pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, I want your name to be sanctified and glorified through my life. Please don't allow me to bring shame to your name. Thy kingdom come. God, God, whatever your will is, whatever you want done, whatever your agenda, let that be done. Give us this day our daily bread. You know I have needs. You know I have things that I need in my life and requests that I'm bringing to you, physical needs that I need, please give us those on a regular basis. And by the way, he says our daily bread, and he says to give us to us uh, day by day, he wants us to be able to come to him every day asking for those requests. Uh, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors, uh, asking for forgiveness, and then of course asking to keep us from our own sin, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So I'd like to challenge you sometime in the next week or so to not pray the Lord's Prayer, but to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And allow the Lord's Prayer to kind of outline uh, a prayer, a time, a prayer session that you would have uh, with God. Let's bow our heads and have a word.